from Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink. The Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red platoon and the cat. Hmm. Just starting to wonder, boy, should we remove his name from the jingles? What do you reckon? Probably worth it, yeah, because oh. he's never here. <laughs> Straight in. Like a rapier. Ted's been busy with a song as well. You've written a song, Ted. Yes. That's it. Well, because obviously we're talking about, you know, the possibility of, uh, of, of Bam maybe coming along because it doesn't take him all that time. Uh, yeah. Can I sing it, Dave, or not? It's up to you, mate. It. You're sure. Go for he it. He lives in a box. He lives, he in, lives a in a box. It doesn't all doesn't take all weekend. He lives in a box. We'll be getting right. We'll be getting letters now. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, letters. Yeah, <laughs> we'll be getting letters. Do you remember them? But I, I don't get letters where I live. The twenty-first century. Yeah. Why? I don't want to hear from Rai because if he's that busy, he can't be texting or sending anything in under pseudonyms either. Yeah. So just this carry is... on with what you're doing and stop skiving off. This isn't a holiday. Oh dear. <laughs> Yeah, we've got a message from Bry in New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't give him ideas. Don't no, give no, him no, ideas. No, no. The Aussie, the Aussie yeah. in New so, Zealand. Yeah, that's it. Yes. Uh, well, that's it's the same thing. Yeah. Joking aside, we did say we could probably take over the whole the whole hour uh, with just moaning and groaning, I guess, or putting the putting the world to right about Sunderland and yes. Newcastle. And uh, <laughs> as as we know, the weekend's results for Newcastle and Sunderland. Uh, for Newcastle, I'd say for most people it was probably expected. I mm-hmm. did take my, I, I did, I did, I did go and, and put me two one bet on, and um, at half time it was looking quite good. But Kevin De Bruyne came on and and did what Kevin De Bruyne what does. What a man! And, um, what amazing, a player! Amazing performance from him uh, to turn the game on its head and and you know, Newcastle go into the break, two week break now for the Premier League. Uh, losing 3-2 but no disgrace uh, but I do want to do a little bit of a, a rallying call uh, through the show but um, the uh, the Beal effect wow uh, huh. Ted it's uh, okay. it's starting now the masks didn't really have to slip far you said before you said before Beal came in you wouldn't be happy when he came in you weren't happy um, and then there was a little there was a little bounce and it was very little then the derby last week and now the weekend's result it's uh, it's doom and gloom it seems on Wearside yeah yeah very much it's um, I, I think an overused word in these modern times is toxic but that's what it's starting to turn into um, you know I was messaging you last night and I'm saying this is now approaching the levels of when Bob Murray was coming to the end of his tenure as Sunderland owner um, it's it's not just Beal that's that's the target for the for the venom. If I'm being honest with you, um, it's the ownership. It's Christian Speakman, the sporting director. Um, you know all sorts of memes going around with with Speakman uh, depicted as a puppeteer and Michael Beale sitting on his um, sitting on his sitting on his knee. I should really finish that sentence uh-huh. a whole lot sooner. <laughs> yes, you should. Um, yes. <laughs> you were worried there, weren't you? <laughs> Um, I can only apologise. I actually didn't have anything in my head other than me. Um, so yeah, it's it's just starting to turn that little bit nasty now, I guess. Um, Steve and Dave as well. You you know that your home fans are your bread and butter, um, but now the away fans are starting to turn as well, and that's that's not a good sign as far as the club's ownership is concerned. Because they're your fanatics. They're the ones who'll support you through thick and thin. 
Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot to get through with that as well. But it's not all doom and gloom. We've got Emma Wayne to talk about. That That's going all right. At least that's a positive in my life. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're doing well. We didn't get one off right, did we? Does that mean you can't find the scales? Quite possibly. Quite possibly yeah, it's in the same excuse. box as his computer. Yeah. <laughs> he actually moved house six weeks ago. He's just putting weight on, not losing weight. That's the problem. <laughs> Well, everything's that dry response to something. Run away and hide. That's it. <laughs> everything's so far away in Australia, though. It's probably taken them six weeks to get there. Yeah, probably. Yeah, but there is. And that's the good next news. town. That's the second. Good that's news. the second pop at the uh, the Antipodeans there, mate. We've only been on for six <laughs> minutes. Australia, New Zealand, well, just the same. That was the first right. one. What can I say? What can I say? I'm a coward. If he's not able to defend himself, I'm yeah, going to stick Yeah, but you're causing me grief at the Roberts household. You do realise my missus was a Kiwi with Aussie citizenship, don't you? That means I'm going to get battered after this show this morning. Oh, I, think I like the Kiwis. Thanks, I, mate. I, I, Thanks. Like, I like Mrs. Dith and I do like the Kiwis. I've got an uncle in New Zealand over in the North Island, uh, Hawke's Bay, Napier. Oh, yeah. Lovely got place. it. Got it. I yeah. like Hobbits too, yeah. I like Hobbits too. Mm. Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Millwall 1, Borough 3, though, oh, yes. You can fly the red flag today. Indeed, I will. Mind the, mind the gap and all that. Yeah. Uh, Engel, Jones and Fours getting the goals, and uh, that was an impressive win. Well, I love what Joe Edwards has come out and said after the game, the uh, the Millwall boss. He said, I took one look at the bench and thought, wow, these are in the championship. Um, it gives you an indication of how Borough's fortunes... Well, I was going to say how Borough's fortunes have turned. Saying that, you know, Josh Coburn's back out with injury. Yes, thank you very oh, much no. to the gods above. Um, but, you know, it's not no longer a bench where you've got five or six teenagers on it. And um, obviously the fresh faces came in. Uh, Finazaz, uh, Luke Ayling started uh, from the off at Millwall. Uh, but Borough's preparations was a bit of a shambles. They got stuck for an hour and a half doing a, a mile journey from the hotel. Um, took, them, took them an hour and a half, so the game had to be delayed. They turned up late. Probably got a fine from the EFL for that one. And it took them a while to settle in the game, fellas, but... Man, when they settled, you know, Millwall got an early goal. It reminded me of the Sheffield United game last season at Bramall Lane. Sheffield United scored after four minutes. I think Millwall were up after ten. But then the Borough sort of, rather than collapsing like we've seen them do so many times in the past, it was like, okay, you know, it was almost like the old uh, little midgie that uh, flies into you and you just waft it to one side. They they gathered their thoughts and particularly in the second half, um, they just look so dangerous. And, you know, 3-1 to scoreline. And it gave me hope. I mean, I've been sitting here for the past couple of weeks thinking, too inconsistent to do anything, too inconsistent to do anything. But if we can come through the injury crisis that we've come through, even now there's a lot of tired legs in there because it's only a couple of fresh faces, you know, hot on the heels of losing a couple in the last game against Chelsea. You know, two players long-term injury list 20 minutes into the game against Chelsea. Um, and we put a performance in like that against the Millwall side, who were in form. They were the, they were the third form side in the championship going into that game. Stri- three straight wins, no loss in five. Um, yeah, it, it gives me a bit of hope, I've got to say. I'm, I'm so pleased they were flying the North East flag yesterday, uh, Saturday. Big shock result of the weekend in the championship, guys, of course, was Coventry. Wow. Uh, where did that yeah. come Yeah, I watched the game. Watch the game, Steve. It was a fantastic game. Um, the old East Mids derby. Obviously, no love lost with with Coventry for me. Um, but the way they turned and it around, I th- 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's one thing that Burren Sunderland fans seem to have in common, like as a, a genuine dislike for that lot. But um, no, I, to be honest, Leicester didn't half wobble, or you know that that a man sent off just shortly before half time, and rightly so as well. as a few people sort of questioning it. Um, yes, he did win the ball, but the way he he kind of went up with with studs showing it was a very reckless challenge a one that didn't have to be made as well but I'm going to talk about those challenges later on uh, yes Adil Aushish you may need to turn down the radio now um, yeah um, I thought I thought Leicester obviously they, they look comfortable you, you know they got the penalty you start to think oh well, there's only one way this is going to go now Coventry have had a few attempts um, but wow that second half I was I, seriously impressed they played some really good stuff absolutely great stuff yeah, wide open the championship. Lots to talk about today on uh, the Footy Brecky Show. And we've got um, news headlines to get through as well. So uh, should we start with them, Dave? We can do, mate. Uh, I'll do my last because obviously uh, Ryan, he dropped You're it. Still what? Writing them. I'm still writing them. Absolutely. <laughs> he dropped it very late. So, Steve, sharpen your quill. Yes. Here you go. Magpies and Proud. Mag's News. Well, the visit of the reigning champions to Tyneside on Saturday night ended with Eddie Howe's side losing for the fourth successive time in the Premier League. Bernardo Silva gave the visitors the lead with a sublime backheeled goal before United drew level and then took the lead with two goal of the season contenders from Isaac and Gordon respectively. The second half saw the introduction of Kevin De Bruyne who was given the freedom of St James's Park and promptly levelled with a low right-footed drive past the otherwise impressive Dubravka. And with the game evenly poised, the Blues talisman hit a defence split and pass to Bob, who took to his first Premiership goal to take all three points in the dying seconds. Newcastle United women have been eliminated from the Adibi Women's FA Cup after a 5-0 fourth round defeat against Manchester United in front of just over 4,500 supporters at Lee Sports Village. And social media speculation that the Darris Hall home of Joe Linton was broken into during Saturday's game against Man City was confirmed yesterday. Northumbria Police report the Magpie and his family were present at St James's Park becoming aware of the incident due to a mobile phone alert but the intruders had left when police patrols attended. And tickets for Newcastle United's FA Cup fourth round tie at Craven Cottage on Saturday a week will go on sale to season ticket holders today with 90 points or more. That's at 10 o'clock. Uh, we've received 3,800 tickets and adult admission has been set at £40, which is the same amount that Leeds fans paid for last season's FA Cup fifth round game at Fulham and what Liverpool fans will pay for their forthcoming Carabao Cup tie there. Our most recent Premier League visit to Craven Cottage was played with an away allocation of 2,300 places. That's in Newcastle headlines on Monday morning. Mackhams and Proud. Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. Welcome to Monday, and it is a Monday feeling. We want a striker, we want a striker, was the chant from Sunderland's away following during Saturday's trip to Ipswich Town. A game that saw the Black Cats surrender a lead for the first time this season, eventually losing 2-1. A lack of finishing prowess coupled with defensive naivety cost the team, and the away fans didn't hold back in their frustration, given the clearest sign yet that fans are growing frustrated with matters on and off the pitch. Sunderland goalkeeper Anthony Patterson has been linked with a move to Liverpool by the Suns' Alan Nixon. So a large dose of salt taken with that one. He states that in Premier League club are set to make the stopper a transfer target to cover first-choice goalie Alisson. He also claims that any move is more likely to happen during the summer window as opposed to this month. 
Sunderland and several of their championship rivals have been linked with a deal for Luton Town striker John McAtee. The striker is currently on loan at Barnsley in League One from the Hatters. Uh, fresh reports, however, have suggested that Sunderland, Cardiff City, Ipswich Town and Plymouth Argyle are also interested. The striker has netted nine times for the Tykes so far this season and has also chipped in three assists with his parent club Luton, thought to be keen to see what their man can do at a higher level. Speculation is rife that the Hatters will cut short McAtee's loan at Barnsley early, given the interest from championship clubs. They are your Sunderland headlines. Smoggies and proud. Borough News. Millwall boss Joe Edwards sent out a warning to the rest of the championship saying Borough were quickly turning into a force to be reckoned with. He said after turning and glancing at the Borough bench at the Den on Saturday, one immediate thought crossed his mind. Wow! Borough suddenly have major players fit and Carrick suddenly has options. Imagine being able to leave Hayden Hackney on the bench. The Standard Echoes picked up several national papers reporting Michael Carrick's using his Man United connections to beat Sunderland to the loan transfer of Amand Diallo. The 21-year-old impressed on loan at Sunderland last season, scoring 14 championship goals, while the Black Cats were one of several clubs keeping an eye on the players' situation over the summer. Ahmad joined Manchester United for a package worth around £34 million. And Borough women continued their impressive New Year fortune, beating Leeds United 3-1. A trio of goals from Lauren Robson, Jess Met and Sarah Byrne continued Borough's perfect start to 2024. Michael Mulhern named just one change to his starting eleven, while Millie Bell came in at right back for the injured Emma Foster. New signing Shelley Bogdan also made the bench after joining Borough after a period in the States. All yours, boys. Okay. Was a um, bit of vocoder work there. I loved that, by the way. Love that. It was, YouTube. yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. It, it's been a lot of work and effort put into these jingles. Yes. Putting yeah, like them for us, Ted. I know. It seems wasted. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Where do we start? Well, I, I'm going to hand over to my colleague Ted because Sunderland seem to be in a crisis. I, I think mine's more of a rallying call this morning. I want to accentuate yeah. the positives, not the negatives. But I know you've got a big rant to get off your chest, mate. So over to you. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I kind of know what you mean there, mate. Obviously, you know, it was a magnanimous in defeat for Newcastle. I thought they put a good effort in. But Sunderland, like I alluded to in the headlines there, that's the first time that we've um, scored the first goal but ended up getting beaten in the game. That's that's how the tide is starting to turn. Um, those This this high-performance culture that Christian Speakman was rattling on about um, just doesn't seem to be there. Um, player-wise, in terms of the chances created... Uh, there was actually enough there to earn a draw, I thought, at least. Clark had a good chance before his eventual opener, where he, uh, he had, probably had more time than he thought. Keeper anticipated that it was a bit of a team effort from Jack. Um, but, you know, opportunities are opportunities. And, and when you're in a rich vein of form with, with, you know, at the time, 12 goals to his credit, you, you probably expect him to stick that one away as well. Our sheesh. Uh, just the worst substitute appearance I think I've seen in many, many years. Uh, he had a clear-cut opportunity to put us back in the lead when the score was one all, uh, which he inexplicably put wide. He's, he's almost, I don't know, he, he had all the goal to go at. The keeper was out of position. Um, I'll come back with that as well. Uh, but he's tried to put his laces through it rather than just side-foot it into pretty much an unguarded net. I, I don't understand what he was trying to do. Whether he was trying to look flash or something like that, I don't know. But with those clear-cut opportunities, 
you've got to stick them away. Ipswich's goalkeeper actually had a bit of a mare as well. Um, I just don't think Sunderland capitalised enough on that. He was very slow at getting the ball away out of his feet. Um, they're they're you know a style a bit like ourselves. They want to play out from the back, and it did at times look like a team that's just been promoted out of League One trying to play out the back. It was just a bit pedestrian, and there was times where I'm thinking a little bit more pressure on these guys, and we can get some joy out of it. We got that clear cut opportunity that Alshish put wide, but we didn't follow that up. We didn't put any more pressure on after that, or not enough, certainly. Um, Bar is somebody who, I, who I, I've been a little bit critical of in the past, but Abdullah Bar actually, I thought, had a very lively game. I think it was one of his best games in a red and white shirt. He justified his starting role. Uh, it was his run that made the opening for Clark. It absolutely thunder that first goal. It was a great finish. Uh, and I'd say between Barr and Pritchard were actually the main creative threat on the day. Um, I thought both of them had a very good game. Pritchard, the, the elder statesman at the grand old age of 30, um, just a little wizard. Um, he, he just makes things tick. He sees clever passes. I thought he had a very good game as well. Defensively, we were worrying. Um, I think Jackson, the Ipswich striker, he was first to react to a bit of a deflected through ball. That left on nine flat-footed. Good finish from Jackson. Great. I mean, he's a stand-in striker. Nothing Anthony Patterson could do uh, for either goal, really. Um, Aushish gave away a needless free kick, which was to, you know, underlines is the worst Sunderland substitute performance I can remember. Uh, our defence then allowed the shortest player on the on the Ipswich side to get a free header to score what would eventually be the winner. And I just thought was, what was frustrating was there was nothing special about Ipswich. I think it was a wasted opportunity to actually stay in the top six, but Michael Beale did not read the script on this one at all. He played an 18-year-old knackered midfielder as a striker and then criticised his performance. I'm talking about Job here, by the way, lads. He, he played Job as a striker. Um, he's done a Rooney. He's criticised the lads straight after. He's, what was he been there? Six games and he's already sticking the boot in on the players. Um, he left three strikers on the bench. He subbed off two of the most creative players in the game, which was Bart and Pritchard, uh, and didn't bring a striker on until 83 minutes had been played. That striker, by the way, Rusin, scored in his last league game, and it was said by Bale that he'd earn a run in the side, which the coach then reneged on and left him, left him out. So that, for me, just tells you that this guy's got no integrity when it comes to you know keeping his word with players, anything like that. Rusin must be thinking, what have I done wrong here? Because, he, I mean, he's absolutely done nothing wrong. He's, he's scored in his last game, but then he's getting left out. Basically, uh, well, the reason why Job is, is, is consistently getting picked is actually beyond me. And it's not a criticism of Job, this. And, and, and you know, if word does get back to him via the media grapevines, I'm not sticking the boot in on Job. He needs a rest, though, because he's, he's been overplayed. Ultimately... As bad as Beale's game and man management was, though, the book has to stop with Christian Speakman and Carol Louis Dreyfus. Um, to appoint this clown in charge of our club is is just one of the most baffling. It's not baffling, actually. Let's let's be honest here. Christian Speakman wants a yes man, and that that that's becoming more and more apparent. You can see that in selection of Job week in and week out, because there's no way any any coach worth their salt can look at that and go. Oh, he looks lively, he looks sharp, he looks up for it. Because he doesn't. He absolutely doesn't. And the more and more he's played and expected to deliver, this kid's confidence is going to suffer because the fans are now getting on his back. There's 
you know, there's the lesser informed Sunderland fans out there who are just going to criticise the kid no matter what because they see the players, the players' performance and that's it. There's none of the thought in the background of going, well, maybe he's tired. You see comments like, well, he's only 18, he should be playing every day and all this sort of thing. Yeah, this, this is sort of, you know, peak athlete kind of standard. The kid needs a rest, but but there seems to be some sort of fascination in the club and it's I'm absolutely convinced this is down to Speakman. Um, who, obviously, you know, he, he played his minor role in, in Jude Bellingham's success. He's trying to get the same again. It furthers his CV. And to be honest, we're not buying it anymore. Now, there's a big meeting in three days' time where the inverted commas fans group, Voice of the Fans, Red and White Army, are going to speak with Speakman and, and some of the, uh, the ownership of the club. Apparently, the, the latest rumour is that Kirill Lurie Dreyfus will join this online meeting as well. Um, I've tried to get in touch with Red and White Army, because um, they are the voice of the fans, again in inverted commas. Um, but on Twitter, it's, it's a nearly impossible to, to message them on Facebook. On Twitter, you have to be verified uh, before you can send them a message, <laughs> which I find interesting. <laughs> so, you're the voice of the fans, but you're not the ears, are you? So anybody listening out there from the Red and White Army, I have tried to contact you to get on the show just to see, you know, what you intend to actually say or whether you're just going to get starstruck and just take a couple of free tickets, uh, which which we know you get. Um, we know. Um, we're inviting you on the show to see what you're actually willing to do about this. Are you actually the voice of the fans? Because the voice of the fans is growing louder and you are going to have... The ownership is going to see problems. They're going to see empty seats, a lot more of them, and you're going to see a side that... Do you know what it is? I'm, I'm going to say it now. I actually hope we finish mid-table or lower. I hope we do, because it will show that this model and, and this, this project doesn't work. Because it, it's now at the stage where Speakman will not admit defeat. He will just go another fall guy. He will not take any blame for this. He's Teflon. And until, until the, fans, the fans actually voice this loudly... And in a way that makes the ownership absolutely understand what we are seeing right now is not good enough. It is appalling the way they've done it. Michael Bale is not a manager of Sunderland Football Club. He's not head coach material. He's not as good as Dodds. You look at the body language between Dodds and Bale on the line. There is, there is no working relationship there. There is absolutely no working relationship there. It's like the two strangers. And I can't blame Dodds. Dodds must be thinking, well... I was doing all right. Who's this clown? Because the, this tinkering he's doing, we're actually at least, at least if we were getting beat under Tony Mowbray, we actually had the lion's share of possession and you kind of go, we just need a couple of these chances to go in. Now we're having less and less possession and we're seeing, we're seeing the team going backwards and we're still persisting in this square pegs in round holes thing, playing Job up front as a striker, playing Luke 09 as a centre-back. I know that was done before, but the, look, the fans can see it. I don't know, I don't understand how the management and the ownership of the club doesn't. So, yeah, Red and White Army, I'll be interested to speak to you. We're more than happy to have you on the show and, and actually see what, what you, as the voice of the fans, again in inverted commas, uh, are, are willing to put forward. Um, yeah 
Well, the invite's there. It's in Dire Straits, <clears throat> lads. The WhatsApp, the WhatsApp number's 0330-043-2002. That's 0330-043-2002. Or you can get in touch via the website. Uh, there is a contact us uh, button. There's a WhatsApp button on the on the website. Uh, that's quite simply www.thecatuk.com. Uh, that's thecatuk.com. Or, 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 Dave, what they can do is they can send me a message on X, because uh, I'm not verified and you don't have to be. <laughs> oh, right, okay. <laughs> More you're the, the show. He's uh, he's my my Mac and mate who uh, goes home and away. Uh, he says um, uh, he says a terrible weekend, but he said it in more flowery and colourful language. Uh, he says our season <laughs> our season is over. He says no ambition yep. from Squirrel and Speakman to get us promoted. He says Beal subs at the weekend were bizarre, <laughs> and he says in my sick bed and to top it off, I've got COVID. He says great show though, lads. Get well soon, Sean. Oh, yeah, get, get well, well soon, get well soon mate. Even from a smoggy that's coming from, get well soon, mate. Um, I'm, I, I was just trying to dissect a bit of what you've just ranted there, Ted. Um, I'm hearing, okay. I'm, I'm hearing parallels to Mogger here. Mogger mm. was saying things similar about strikers. Get me a striker. Yep. Yeah, but he wasn't wrong. And to be honest, I mean, I, I watched watched the game. Obviously, we were, we were live on Sky as it was. And the commentators were saying, you know, obviously, you know, Kiefer Moore being mentioned, but he's also been linked with Ipswich. Uh, there's the kid from Blackburn whose name's, uh, oh, come on, come on. Gallagher, Sam Gallagher from Blackburn being linked as well, uh, but also linked with Ipswich. And now I'm kind of looking at that. I'm looking at the club, and no disrespect to Ipswich, but I'm looking at that going, oh, if he's linked with Ipswich, we're not getting him. Mm-hmm. It's Sunderland Football Club. It, it, it's it's forty thousand plus every game, and I'm and I'm kind of going. Oh, I can't compete with Ipswich. Their their ownership took over a similar sort of time as what ours did. It was back in um, back in twenty twenty one. We were taken over in the February. Uh, Ipswich were taken over in the April. But the owners, it could it couldn't be any more different in terms of the financial approach. Now I can't wait. I I, I can't wait for it to be known fact. But uh, there's, there's, there's stuff that I'm finding out from, from sources within the club. I'm, I'm not going to reveal it, but in terms of the way this money's been set up, it's, it's incredible. And I, I think Sunderland fans are, are absolutely going to be livid. Um, it, it, you see the way that Ipswich have invested in the playing staff. They're, they're not afraid to go and spend, you know, three, four million on Nathan Broadhead, a player that we should have had. They've looked after him. In, in terms of the, the couple of injury worries that he had, they've got him patched up, they've got him playing well, he rarely misses a game. And you just look at Sunderland going, well, you've absolutely missed another trick there. It's, it's just this reluctance to put any sort of money or any sort of experience into that squad. It's, it just looks to me like Colonel Louis Dreyfus. It's, it's one of those where he might be a billionaire on paper, but I, I think it's, it's either all locked up in different investments and things like that, because he ain't spending a penny on this club. He really isn't. He's, he can donate 10 grand towards some naff flags as much as he likes. What I want to see is, is results on the pitch. Mm. I told you it was a rant, Dave. Yeah, uh, I'm sitting here thinking, thank God I'm a Borough fan. And then, you know, <laughs> there are times there are times in my Borough supporting history when uh, we don't do that. It's like, oh my God, we've got crises. But, you know, we're well settled in the Championship. I know we're talking Championship at the moment. Um, we've just come through probably the worst injury, and still in the middle of it, the worst injury crisis yes. that the club's ever had. Yet we're feeling positive. It's you know we we've got every reason to think the season's over. Um, 
turned up just to, just to show a bit of support. No ex- zero expectation, but that's not the case, fellas. You know, Carrick's doing a great job. I mean, he's he's doing a wonderful job. Um, when you're thinking of, of the, ju- the 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 card he's knitting with the players he's got available, is just like wow, <laughs> what a great job the guy's doing. But and you'll yeah. probably get Ahmad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's you know, Can mate. you imagine can what I that show's going to be like? Can I tell you something? I had that feeling, you know, early this season. I was thinking yeah. it was. I think it was before the, the season started. I'm thinking if Ahmad needs to go out on loan again. Once he'd once he'd healed because he picked up that injury, didn't he? Yes. If he's going to go back out on loan again, I wonder if Carrick. I'm sure Carrick spotted what he did for Sunderland uh, last yeah. term, and uh, can he use his Manchester United connections and and bring him in and and look what it's the Nationals that are running with this now. Sunderland Echo this. picked up on it uh, over the weekend. Um, yeah, wow, that would uh, rub salt into the wounds, wouldn't it, mate? Uh, it would. I mean, I, I genuinely think it's going to be a Premier League loan move for Ahmad. Um, yeah, and I've, I've said that from the start. But and I've got to be honest, it's not a midfielder we need at the moment. We, you know, it's a, it's more of a striker we need an out and out goal scorer because yeah. we ain't got one. You know, and we're still going to the den uh, and sticking three past Millwall. Um, we so, could have five, mate, but Michael Beale would still play a midfielder up front. <laughs> <laughs> Together across the northeast. The I'm just, I'm just, uh, I just picture it now, boys. Ratcliffe sitting in the stand for the first time, waving to the crowd, and they all start singing, "Just fix the roof, just fix the roof." <laughs> Can you fix the roof? Uh, it'd be something like that, won't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it was like a love-in yesterday. Him and Alex Ferguson. I see Luke Littler, the darts player, got in on it as well. And uh, yeah, look, I mean, it, you know, it, it's it's for me. This is not the saviour. Um, this is really what they've done. Is this is very clever by the Glazers. They've stuck a buffer in. They've stuck somebody in who's put twenty-five percent. He's bought twenty-five percent of the club. Um, they'll not go until they want to go. They'll not go until they've bled the carcass dry. And, and believe you me, I see this as him coming in as a buffer uh, to them. And he might think he's going to get control, but I don't see that happening at this moment in time. I really, really don't. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a long haul. This I, I might be wrong, but I don't think I am. I think I think this is, I think it's a shrewd move. The people like the Glazers, if they're going to sell something, they just go. They'll just leave it. But they want top dollar. They, Absolute top do. dollar. Of course they do. Of course they do. I just don't see. I don't see this. I don't see this changing things massively. Yes, they're getting somebody in to uh, to take the take the heat off them, but they're also getting somebody in um, who will will of course plow some money in, which will help you know at least at least stop the Manchester United fans getting wet while they're watching some garbage on the pitch. But uh, <laughs> I I don't think it's as I don't think it's as cut and dry, chaps. We will wait and see. But uh, let's talk about yeah. Newcastle and. Um, Newcastle took on Manchester City, um, and I, I, I'm not exaggerating here. This is currently the best team in the world, um, well, and that brilliant. is, and that is basically because they've won everything. So you know you, you can't say, uh, well, uh, uh, you know, what about Real Madrid? What about Barcelona? No, Manchester City have won everything, and you know ultimately they have the best manager 
in the world as well. Pep Guardiola, a man who has had the audacity in the in the Premier League to to try things that nobody else would have even imagined. It it puts Kevin Keegan and the entertainers. It makes them look out. It makes them look like amateurs. He's gone a full season without a centre forward and won the league. He's he's you know he's he's looking now I guess to to win the Premier League again, which is now almost like winning the League Cup to Man City. Um, they've got you know it's almost expected that they win the Premier League. Um, Champions League now is becoming their their holy grail they'll want to win the Champions League this season and they'll want to win it next season that's that's the ambition you can see in Pep's eyes his players have have basically put a shift in time and time again and when you think about it you know they've been through a bad spell but their bad spell still leaves them with a game in hand and, and, and they're ready to pounce they're ready to pounce and I would say at this moment in time Liverpool probably look like the team who can give them a run for their money again um, Tottenham you know they're, they're making noises I saw Postagoglu's interview yesterday about you know top two's the goal um, yeah that's Newcastle's goal as well it's Manchester United's goal it's Aston Villa's goal um, but I'm afraid we're going to have to go a long way to, to you know to, to beat Manchester City anytime soon and I, I just genuinely can speak with you know certainly with you know I'm, I'm a convert to that to that anyway but watching them play at St James's Park at the weekend yeah it, it's just it, it just backed up backed up what I was thinking. Um it got off to it got off to a you know a fairly exciting start. There was there was chances at either end. And I um, I've seen some people say, well, we are watching the same game, Steve. You know, I I felt Manchester City were the better team and Newcastle were lucky in the first half. I, I don't believe that at all. I think both teams went for it, and that was the refreshing change. And, and watching the game back and listening to the commentary, Ali McCoist uh, certainly agreed with me that this was this was Premiership football at its finest, and two teams who who were both willing to, to go for it and entertain. And you know. Newcastle's left-hand side has been talked about for many, many, you know, many months now. Dan Byrne is is he the the right person to be playing left back? Well, Man City tried to capitalise on that at the weekend. He was he was run ragged for the first ten or fifteen minutes. He was out of position. Um, you know, when he ru- when he runs back, it, you know, he, he's he, you know he, he can't compete with the fast wingers, and. Um, you know, Man City came down that side three times in the space of 15 minutes. And I, the lad who was sitting next to me, uh, Keith Patterson, um, good lad, he, he was saying, look, we're, we're going to concede down this end. And you could see it. It was it was, it was was obvious. And, of course, that's where the opening goal came from. Um, you know, it was, it, was a, it was a fantastic goal as well by Bernardo Silva. Like I said in my news headlines, a wonderful, wonderful backheeled goal. And, and yeah, you just had to, well, you, know, you just had to stand back in admiration. Um, and, and say you know that was a, that was a hell of a finish, but Newcastle came back and took it by the scruff of the neck and scored two you know two great goals themselves. Alexander Isak scored his 14th goal in 14 games. What a signing he's proved to be. Um, you know, uh, you know, fresh from his, you know, his, his goals in the FA Cup. He, he, you know, he finished, he finished like a world class striker that he is um, to to draw the scores level. And then Anthony Gordon went down the right hand side again and did exactly the same. Um, you know, another another wonderful goal and probably our two standout players this season. Um, you know, both on the score sheet to give Newcastle that two one two one lead. I think the disappointing thing for me was the second half and it was 
it wasn't tiredness this time. It wasn't you know, Newcastle couldn't point to say we've played three games in a week. We haven't had any training, which has been you know I, I I don't like to call it an excuse. It's been it's been a fair comment. You know what I mean? Eddie Howe knows that you know mentally and physically Newcastle have struggled to to match last year's uh, intense performances because they're playing more games. But they've had they've had a week's training. Um, yes, we've been hit by the injury to Joe Linton. Uh, but you know we, we we still had enough to, to to take the lead in that first half to go two one up. The disappointing thing was that Newcastle knew at some point Kevin De Bruyne was going to be entering the the field of play, and we know what a threat he can be. And with with our midfield being weakened by the you know the injury to Joe Linton, obviously the unavailability of the likes of Harvey Barnes, Tenali and Willock who've been missing for the majority of the season. You know Newcastle are relying on Lewis Miley, who's 17 years of age. Uh, you know and and Sean Longstaff, who isn't currently going through his best form. And you know we had to get an advantage before. De Bruyne came on, and when I say an advantage, I mean at least a, at least another goal to get Newcastle, you know, out of the way, change the effect of the, you know, change change the the outcome of the game, get get an extra goal in three one, you know, we're being three one up before against Man City, and you know they pulled it back to threes each. That extra goal would have made all the difference. But we came out in the second half, and it looked very much as if the remit was defend your lead, sit back and defend the lead. Now, Anthony Gordon came out post-match and said that Addy Howard told the team to go and push for the third, but the team just couldn't do it. Um, now, was it, was an, it was an interesting admission, that, because, you know, does that mean the players were tired? Or, you know, the, the, you know the, the, I don't, I didn't see on, I didn't see on Saturday Newcastle trying to push forward and break, you know, break Man City down. Maybe... I should have, you know, if I watched it again, maybe it's Man City changed something. There was I didn't see what they changed, but Manche- Manchester City might have changed something and became, you know, slowed the game down potentially. It did feel slower, um, but it there was just wasn't that urgency. There wasn't the, you know, there wasn't the high press, and and Newcastle just it just appeared as if they were inviting Man City on in that second half. And if you're going to invite the world's best team on at your at your ground. You're asking for trouble, and that's what happened. And Manchester City just piled the pressure on. So of course, when De Bruyne came on, and um, you know, I've, I've got to be honest, I, as, I, as I saw him walk on, he, he looks about half a stone heavier. He, he looks, you know, maybe maybe it's the fact he's he spent, you know, his time off growing his hair. He, you know, he, it looked like Boris Johnson walking onto the pitch. That's that was <laughs> that's what it looked like. But I tell you what, any similarities between our former prime minister and Manchester City's centre midfielder soon diminished when uh, he started playing football. Wow, it was like a Jan Mulby masterclass from the from the nineteen eighties. He stood in the middle of the pitch and he pinged the ball around as if he, you know, as if he, you know, as if he'd never missed a game. Him. He was absolutely superb, and 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 you could only sit back in admiration and watch this, you know, this skilled footballer plying his trade. I, I mean, we gave him too much space. Maybe a bit of naivety on on, on Miley's behalf. Sean Longstaff should know a bit better, but the, the the instruction that should have come from Eddie Howe when when he came on the pitch was we're going to have to sacrifice a man and go man to man on him because it, you know just for the first ten minutes or. You know, if Joe Linton had been on the pitch, he would have rattled him in the first five minutes. He would have put him on his backside. Uh, welcome back to Premier League football. But we didn't. It was almost like we stood in solidarity with the Man City fans and we gave him the freedom of St James's Park. And, and, and he basically took full advantage. And the goal, um, you know, he just strode, took a couple of steps, 
and planted that right foot shot in the bottom corner past Dubravka, who I've got to say had a great game. Um, it followed on from the Sunderland and the Liverpool game. Chance after chance, you know, coming in, 27 chances at the goal. Um, he, 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 had a, he had a fantastic game, the stats tell you that. Uh, but he could do nothing about this, it was so well placed. So 2-2, Newcastle, then you're thinking, you know, uh, this, this is only going to go one way. The atmosphere, which had been fantastic all game, um, suddenly is, is, is nervousness. Uh, so there's the murmurs, it's flat. And, you know, all that work that had been done pre-match, um, which I'll come to in a minute, uh, with, with war flags, just, just diminished into the, the St. James's Park cold air. And uh, it just seemed inevitable what was coming. And, and, you know, so it proved to be. I think the biggest disappointment was that it came so late. You felt as if you'd got away with it. A point would have been a good result. Uh, but De Bruyne again with this pass, which was... You know, was as good as Bruno's to Isaac. Um, you know, I don't think Bruno's got enough praise for that ball he put to Isaac for his goal, but it was as good as that. Landed at Oscar Bob's feet. Um, you know, and 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 he just you know took it round to Bravka and put the ball in the back of the net to break our hearts. But um, I wasn't. I didn't come out of St James's Park disappointed. Um, it it was a, it was a hard one to take because it was a last minute goal, but. Overall, you know, we've just played the best team in the world and we've lost 3-2. Um, you know, we, we managed to get a point off them um, in, in those two games. We, you know, we, you know, we managed to get, uh, I'm saying I've got, got a point, we managed to get through the Carabao Cup by beating them 1-0. Uh, we lost narrowly down there 1-0 and we got beat at home 3-2. So, you know, it, I would say that we don't have to play them again this season and that's a positive <laughs> Um, you know, we, you know, we, we've just got it. We've just got to look now that our season, our season really starts now. Um, we've got two weeks off, and we need to focus on on getting back, you know, into the groove, winning games. Be nice to keep on, you know, our progress in the FA Cup. It's going to be tough at Fulham, we know, but um, you know, we are only six points off sixth place, and. There's a lot harder run-ins, you know, for for the teams above us. Newcastle have got, you know, a considerably easier run-in than a lot of those teams around us. And, you know, it's game on. And I think, you know, you judge Eddie Howe and you judge Newcastle United, you know, when it comes to the end of the season. Special mention to War Flags. They did try something different before the game. They organised what can only be described as like an, an, an ultras walk through Newcastle City Centre and to the ground. I saw some criticism of them doing it pre-match and doing it a couple of hours before kickoff um but you know i i you know i got what they were trying to do it was a good turnout it was a nice day for it and i think that the lads you know are trying their best and lasses are trying to generate the atmosphere i think it i think it worked to a degree i think people were up for it but i also think that a half past five kickoff does make a difference you know um certainly people of my generation are, are out there you know in the bars at 12 you know they love an early drink anyway and like to be back in early on a night time it suits them a half past five kickoff they can go and have a few drinks go to the match and get the, get themselves home get the supper in for their lass and the kids and and everybody's happy but it was it was it was it was a good atmosphere and and that 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 pleased me, um, and I think that um, you know it certainly benefited the team. But it points to what I was saying about the derby last week. You know, Sunderland fans and Newcastle fans always very similar. If if it starts going against you, then you know they go missing, and people just people don't sing, people don't you know people don't cheer, people don't you know try and rally the team. And and I I always make this point. It's got to be spontaneous, but you've got to make sure that 
you know, you, you support your team through thick and thin and make sure that, you know, that's when the team needs you. If, if, if you know, if you concede that goal and it goes 2-2, the team needs the team needs support. They don't need people sitting on their hands and going, oh, God, well, it's gonna we're going to lose this game. You know, you need to start singing and supporting your team then. And it, it, it's no good a couple of people doing it because... You know, it just it it doesn't it doesn't have the same effect, and the and the team keep mentioning it. Eddie Howe keeps mentioning it. You know, they, they we've got to we've got to we've got to do things on the pitch to get the crowd up for it. But it doesn't always have to be like that, and that and that for me, you it's know, two way street. It is a two way street, mate. But um, that's it, really. I just wanted to give a for for me. I wanted to make it a rallying call. You know, Newcastle Newcastle United took Manchester City close at St James's Park at the weekend they don't deserve you know criticism um, they deserve the fans support Eddie Howe his job isn't at risk you know and, and I think anybody who's got half a brain will know that um, for me man of the match was Almiron I thought he was superb him and Dubravka played very well I could have picked one or two out but you know I thought Almiron ran himself into the ground for us as well Bruno dictated things in, in midfield to a degree until De Bruyne came on but I think I think out of uh, you know out of our midfield, he's probably him and Sean, Sean Longstaff could do with this two week break. And I love the fact that Eddie Howe has given them some time off. Um, you know, he's, he's allowed them to go away for a few days. Uh, there was a photo of um, uh, Isaac on his on his way to Newcastle, well on his way somewhere at Newcastle Airport and stuff like that. So he's given his players a few days off to spend with the family rather than doing a rather than doing a like a. a a, a winter training break and going to Saudi, which they did last year and the year before. Um, you know, he's just given them some quality time to spend with family, and I think that I think that will be gratefully received by the players. And when they come back in and start training again and getting ready for the next two games, Fulham in the cup and Aston Villa in the league, I think that uh, the players will be well up for it and and, and back to the best. And hopefully, uh, on Friday, of course, we heard that there was potential for Willock and Harvey Barnes to return. Uh, you know. Willock's a little bit further away, but it sounds like Barnes isn't too far away from coming back. Uh, it was a bit of blue losing Joe Linton for six weeks, but um, anybody coming back's a blessing. Callum Wilson, of course, will be back for the Villa game, I believe, as well. So, you know, suddenly a little bit of you know good news on, on the horizon, and uh, you know the, the more players we've got coming back in, the better for for our running. You know, but uh, did you watch the game, Ted? It'll be I watching didn't make Sutherland. Us, we, we kicked off the same time, yeah, which, which, which was a, a bit of a disappointment. I saw that. I saw the highlights. I mean, what what really sort of strikes me when you, when you see Man City, uh, you, absolutely right. You did run them close, um, but when Man City have a bench that consists of De Bruyne, Ortega, obviously the goalkeeper came on for Edison. Um, I, I, I'll just grab a word with you about that in in a second as well, as there's a point to make on that one. Oscar Bob on the bench, Calvin Phillips on the bench, Jack Grealish on the bench, Matias Nunes, Sergio Gomez, it's it's Rico Lewis in England international. You're looking at that bench, going, "Oh my God, no wonder this lot of the champions of the world like us." They've they've got player upon player upon player. That it must be a case where in their squad they must have like three men for every position. Because that that's absolutely astounding to be able to have those options at your disposable uh, disposal. Um, you've got to feel for Newcastle a little bit. I don't, but uh, I'm sure the fans will. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, two, two, two one up against them, you kind of got to be thinking, great, you know, we've got a chance here. As soon as they pegged back, obviously that's when you know a coach like Eddie Howe would probably look at his bench and go, right, I need to make some changes. But because of the injuries and because of the way things are at the minute. 
there's just not the attacking options there, is there? It's, it's, you know, you talk about Matt Ritchie, but with the greatest amount of respect to Matt Ritchie, a player who I, I really like, I, I really admire over his career, um, Matt Ritchie ain't going to make a lot of difference against Man City. And, and that's where that that investment has to come, whether, you know, whether it's along the lines of financial fair play, and, and you need those players back. There, there needs to be some more attacking options there for me, Steve. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a need for a bit of investment, but obviously, as we know from Darren Eels's you know interview last week, there's there's very little yeah. chance of uh, Newcastle spending anything in this transfer window. Is it a red herring? Is it a you know? Is it a a bit of game management off the pitch? I, I don't know. You were going to make a point about Edison. Yes, um, I, I noticed. I think you, you dropped it in the WhatsApp group that nobody talks about. Uh, that we're doing a naff job of not talking about. Yeah, um, it was to, to do with that silly offside law, and that's how yes. we ended up getting injured. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, this ludicrous situation where a linesman can't put, well, a referee's assistant, as they call now, can't put the hand, can't put the flag up, you know, until later in the process, um, you know, and, until the movement of play has advanced. It, it, that's why Edison got injured because Longstaff went flying in and, and you know, basically collided with a keeper, and, and and Edison ended up injured. And had the flag gone up early. Uh, as it used to in the good old days, um, that wouldn't have happened. Play would have stopped. Uh, there wouldn't have been a challenge on the goalkeeper, and Edison would have been able to continue to play. And um, you know that that in itself is just so frustrating. We've talked about it many, many times, um, as have other. Um, you know, I've heard other people talk about it. You know, th- that's one rule that needs to be altered and changed. And VAR again. You know, I think it was three minutes for a decision. It wasn't on the screen at St James's Park. We weren't even assured whether a VAR check was going on for the for the goal that Isaac had scored, which was which was offside, but. It went on for about three minutes. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just it's just so frustrating, and you know Pep Guardiola will have been annoyed about that. And you know Edison, you know, I'm not sure how bad the injury is and and how long his layoff's going to be. But um, you know, it, it, it's it's crazy that something as simple as that, you know, can't just be altered. To, you know, for the safety of the players, if nothing else, because you know injuries injuries uh, you know can can come from it, and it's it's proved to yeah. be the case again. It, it's crazy, Dave, isn't it? You know. This, this yeah. whole linesman situation. It is. I can see why they do it. Um, don't I don't necessarily agree with it, but they do it. So, you know, the flow of the game or that that mo- that move within the game is is not uh, stopped prematurely because VAR need to may need to be called upon if a goal scored or whatever. But when you see uh, a striker bearing down on a goalkeeper, you know there's going to be there's going to be contact. There's going to be a clash. You've got to start. You've got to start thinking about what is the primary role of the referee. The the number one role of a referee we were always taught, and it and it, it you know it was drummed into me right the way through, even into the professional game, is you are there to ensure the safety of the players. That is your primary concern. Second to that is the game. Now, by delaying a flag and allowing a striker, a striker, a streaker, that would be a good one. <laughs> allowing a striker. To uh, to go pummeling into a Too goalkeeper to challenge for the yeah, twin strikers, um, uh, allowing that striker just to continue his movement, and you know there's going to be a, a clash, physical clash between goalkeeper and striker is just just doesn't make any sense to me. They're the ones where where you need an early signal. You just need to get the game stopped because you know there's going to be more and more of these injuries as a result. This is now the second one in in recent weeks that we've talked about on this show. Uh, and there's going to be many more besides, and uh, it's just one of the side effects of VAR, I'm afraid. Mm, 
just looking, yeah, at, looking ahead for Man City, Steve. Um, looking at their march, and, and obviously you, you, you've tipped them for the Premier League title. I, I have as well. I have as well. Um, Raya, I think Raya still fancied Liverpool for it. Didn't I think he? he did. One of one of us did, and yeah. it wasn't me. I, I said no, City no, no. will come good. Yeah, I think so as well. Looking ahead, obviously we'll, we'll, we'll skip February for a second, but looking at their fixtures in March. They've got Man United on the 2nd of March. Nice. They've then got a Champions League game. Then it's Liverpool on the 9th. It's then Brighton on the 16th. Arsenal on the 30th. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And then, actually, 3rd of April, they've got Villa as well. So, I mean, if they get the, the maximum return on that, which you can't bet against them. You absolutely can't bet against them. By April, it could be almost in the bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, this is this is Man City, though, isn't it? It's um, you know they're such a good team, and and they the go through a bad spell, and they yeah. end up you know keeping themselves just within touching distance, and you know, they'll start putting a run together now. I mean, the way they celebrated that victory at Newcastle tells you how important that three points was. Pep Guardiola and they take pictures be in front of the fans, or nearly close as nearly <laughs> as good as that. They were celebrating as if they were celebrating as if they'd won the uh, the FA Cup. <laughs> Uh, jumping up and down, <laughs> Pep's going absolutely mental. But it's—I—I I, I think it's just the—I think it's the—I just think it's the atmosphere. It's in James's Park. I think it gets to him. He always, he, you know, he always sits, you know, and has a period reflection before a game in the in the dugout. I don't know whether he does that at every game, but he, he certainly he certainly does it at Newcastle. And um, I, I tell you what, if if the time comes one day that Eddie Howe moves on, I'd love to see Pep Guardiola as Newcastle manager. Um, you know, he, he, you know, we've seen miracles with Eddie Howe, but I tell you what, Pep Pep would be Pep would be a wonderful a wonderful manager for Newcastle in some point. I hope that I hope that can be a sit. I hope that can be something that develops in in time. He certainly seems to enjoy it, the atmosphere. He often comments about the supporters and and the fans and um, you know that you know how 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 great it is and it's a great stadium and he often comments how bad Man City is um, you know for atmosphere and you know I, I, I don't know it's it, it's dreamland if you can get somebody like him to come in and you know as a oh. replacement for how in the future but he's uh, world class oh he is yeah he definitely is and he just going back is. to just going back to City on the pitch I think De Bruyne's return will be the spark this will be the moment that yeah. they start accelerating in in terms of uh, points gathered they've still got a young striker to come into the squad as well haven't they? I'm forgetting his name now yeah yeah, that new lad <laughs> that new lad with the ponytail that yeah. one with the fast yeah. feed <laughs> that's yeah. him God. I mean what I mean, a this finish is it, you know? it was as painful as it was Steve what a finish Oh yeah, I mean, it, I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was a game of great goals. You know, anyone who went to yeah. St James's Park at the weekend got five wonderful goals, um, and and will have will have enjoyed every single one of them. You know, whether black and white or or blue, and it was, um, yeah, look, it was a great advert for the Premier League. It was. It was it, it it was close to the you know the four four with Arsenal and the the four three Liverpool Newcastle game. It was a you know you know TNT picked a good game at the weekend to to broadcast and um, they got they got entertainment. The neutral would have loved it and you know for me. For me personally, just great. You know, it, it's great to be able to see those kind of players on the pitch, and good to see Newcastle competing. Um, it's only you know a few years ago, Newcastle would have been embarrassed in a game like that, but you know we held our own for big, you know, for big periods, and I think we'll do well. 
I think we'll do well moving forward. We need a break with the injuries. We need we need a little bit of a break. But I saw enough in that team on Saturday to suggest that the running for Newcastle United, the second half of the season, if you will, will be a positive one, and that um, you know we 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 can get European football again this year. Uh, we can certainly finish in the top six. Um, I think I think we'll make a, a good push. It depends what we do with regards to the FA Cup. The FA Cup is going to be key. If we can get past Fulham and get a home draw and we're into the fifth round, you know, our season's still alive. But I think that, you know, Eddie Howe's remit and the players' remit will be, you know, we've enjoyed European football. We won it again. Okay, we might not get the Champions League this year, but let's let's push on for let's push on for Europa. Let's uh, you know let's give it a go. And there's no reason why they can't. They need to improve their away form though. Away form's been poor, um, and and that's the you know that's the key to success. Win your home games, don't lose away. And I, and I think it's possible. As I say, six points off sixth place. Um, nobody's really making a, a a run in that top half of the table. And you know we're we're going through a little bad spell, but results results have gone our way with the team above us that, that they're allowing us to stay in check so uh what's this space it's been a bit like the uh, borough in the championship mate you know we've been we've been dropping points and, oh. and then others decide to so um as long as you as long as they're by the court tails now it's mate, you've got to have, <laughs> well, we'll have a, i wasn't we'll have a talking sunderland. if you just wanted to if you want to take it as sunderland mate then then check it as a dig i don't mind what, we'll what have a bit of after the you, news all you right. could say TNT chose an explosive game. But anyway, time for the news. Hey, I like it. I see what you did there. Nice. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat. Kimberly Carnes. Well, I don't know. She might just be a Kim. Probably is. Uh, and Betty Davis eyes. It's all right, that one boy, isn't it? No. I don't think Ted likes it. No, he doesn't like it. Oh, no. man. It's my least favourite song ever. Is it really? Actually, no. Is no, that just because you threw away a one little lead at Ipswich, mate? No, 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 no. I've just, I've just got taste in music. Woo! <laughs> 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 uh, it's actually my second least favourite uh, True Colours by Cindy Lope is my absolute all-time no. Great song. I, I will, I'd happily throw the radio out of the window. Great even song. If I was driving a car. Great song. <laughs> You're kidding me. Oh God. Do you like it? <laughs> you're just winding me up. You're just enjoy. You're just enjoying the pain I'm going through at this moment in time. Well, However, absolutely, because we're closing the gap. Tell you. Mind the gap. <laughs> It's it's still a gap. As bad as we are, we're still ahead of you. And I don't know. Yeah, I know, mate. Possible. But it's you know, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. It won't last game. long. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> and there's you earlier saying, "I hope we finish mid-table." Honestly, I do. I do. I, I'm 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 that mad about it. <laughs> I've just uh, as we took a little break there, I just walked past Mrs. Ted. And I went, I've had a little rant, she went, I heard. <laughs> it's, oh, it's obviously <laughs> booming around the apartment. Does Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Ted listen to you, mate? Uh, occasionally. Occasionally, occasionally okay. After, no, Good morning, Mrs. Ted. Good morning. Good morning, Good morning, Good morning Mrs. Mrs. Ted. Mrs. Ted. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, anyway. She listens. Some spot she listens. Them, them no. no, she listens. I'm, I've got to make this point. She listens to hear Stelios. Okay. That's what she does. Yeah. Tunes into the cast. He's been very quiet. He's been very, very quiet. Subdued Moggy. He's, uh, he's been good as gold. Yeah, he's not I, black I though. I just realised though, after an hour of the show, that uh, that I had Blanche in the room with me the whole time, and I didn't realise. But she's uh, she she's good as gold. She just sits there judging me. You've got you've got Blanche. You've got Stelios. Who's the black one? Yeah, uh, Penny. Penny, and and the one I'm missing, Kylie. Kylie. <laughs> Was Blanche named after the uh, character of Car- on Coronation Street? No, good guess. Golden Girls. Ah, oh, Golden Girls, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, she would actually probably the, the the personality she's got. She'd probably suit Blanche from Coronation Street even more. Like she's uh, <laughs> she's just a proper judgy little cat. Like you know, yeah. you just get evil looks no matter what you do. You can try and have a little fuss with her, and you just get the the evil eyes. Like, but yes, hey. so yes, just the four cats. Kylie started off as Jeff for a week. Jeff, um, then we found <laughs> you realised Jeff yeah. didn't. Jeff was lacking the equipment. Um, <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Could have become Jess. Wouldn't have been as confusing. Well, I, I was, uh, <laughs> I was, I was advised. Why don't you call it Jeffany? Which Jeffany. I thought was a great name. Like, yeah, but yeah. Uh, no, no, we're stuck with Kylie because she's uh, small, cute, and a little bit trashy. Now, well, there you go. Uh, there you go. G'day. Uh fellas. A uh, big day today because a couple of clubs could find out some fate on um, yeah. financial yeah. fair play and all that. But we'll uh, we might get into that a bit later. But uh, let's get into the old um, the old doings. What they called headlines. That's them. Headlines. That's them. Almost forgotten them for a moment. Mackhams and Proud Black Cats News. Good morning, Sunderland fans. We want a striker. We want a striker, was the chant from Sunderland's away following during Saturday's trip to Ipswich Town. A game that saw the Black Cats surrender a lead for the first time this season, eventually losing 2-1. A lack of finishing prowess coupled with defensive naivety cost the team, and the away fans didn't hold back on their frustration, giving the clearest sign yet that they are growing more and more concerned with matters on and off the pitch. Sunderland goalkeeper Anthony Patterson has been linked with a move to Liverpool by some of the national press. He states that the Premier League club are set to make the stopper a transfer target to cover first-choice goalkeeper Alisson. The Sun also claimed that any move is more likely to happen during the summer window as opposed to this month. And finally, Sunderland and several of their championship rivals have been linked with a deal for Luton Town striker John McAtee. The striker is currently on loan at Barnsley in League One from the Hatters. Fresh reports, however, have suggested that Sunderland, Cardiff City, Ipswich Town and Plymouth Argyle are all interested. The striker has netted nine times for the Tykes so far this season and has also chipped in with three assists with his player and club, Luton, thought to be keen to see what their man can do at a higher level. Speculation is right that the Hatters will cut short McAtee's loan of Barnsley early given the interest from the Championship clubs. They are your Sunderland headlines. Smoggies and Proud. Borough News. Ah, happy Monday, Borough fans, and what a Monday it is after that weekend win at Millwall. And uh, it was the Millwall boss, Joe Edwards, who sent out a warning to the rest of the Championship saying Borough are quickly turning into a force to be reckoned with. He said after turning and glancing at Borough's bench at the Den on Saturday, one immediately, one immediate thought crossed his mind. Wow, Borough suddenly have major players back fit and Carrick has options. Imagine being able to leave Hayden Hackney on the bench. Good observation. Uh, the Sun and Echoes picked up on several national newspapers reporting Michael Carrick's using his Man United connections to beat Sunderland to the loan transfer of Ahmad Diallo. The 21-year-old impressed on loan at Sunderland last season, scoring 14 championship goals, 
while the Black Cats were one of several clubs keeping an eye on the players' situation over the summer. Ahmad joined Manchester United for a package worth around £34 million. And Borough women continued their impressive New Year fortunes, beating Leeds United 3-1. A trio of goals from Lauren Robson, Jess Met and Sarah Byrne continued Borough's perfect start to 2024. Magpies and Proud, Mag News. Good morning, Newcastle fans. Well, the visit of the Rain and Champions to Tyneside on Saturday night ended with Eddie Howe's side losing for the fourth successive time in the Premier League. Bernardo Silva gave the visitors the lead before United drew level and then took the lead with two goal of the season contenders from Alexander Isaac and Anthony Gordon, respectively. The second half saw the introduction of Kevin De Bruyne, who was given the freedom of St James's Park and promptly levelled with a low right-footed drive past the otherwise impressive Dubravka. And with the game evenly poised, the Blues talisman hit a defence split and passed to Bob, who took Dewey's first Premiership goal to take all three points in the dying seconds of the game. Social media speculation at the Darris Hall, home of Joe Linton, was broken into during Saturday's game against Man City has now been confirmed. Northumbria police report that the Magpie and his family were present at St James's Park, becoming aware of the incident due to a mobile phone alert. The intruders had left when the police patrols arrived. And Newcastle United women have been eliminated from the Adibi Women's FA Cup after a 5-0 fourth round defeat against Manchester United women in front of 4,700 supporters at Lee Sports Village. And if you're after tickets for the FA Cup fourth round tie at Fulham, then they go on sale at 10am today and 90 lonely points are required. We've had 3,800 tickets offered to us and the ticket price is £40. That's your Newcastle United headlines on Monday morning. Yes, uh, welcome back to the North East Footy Breaky Show and uh, just want to talk a little bit about the transfer window. Uh, Middlesbrough, as we know, already made a, a move uh, for uh, a couple of players this window, but Newcastle and Sunderland uh, both having problems, it seems, in uh, financial uh, outlay for Newcastle with FFP <laughs> and reluctance to buy, uh, it seems to be the problem at Sunderland. And yeah, we're I just having worry... problems tipping up the sofa, Steve. I guess the worry for you is that Jack Clark is still on the radar of uh, one or two teams. Uh, West Ham, um, according to one news outlet yesterday, are ready to up their interest uh, in um, uh, £20 million the fee. Uh, is that a worry that no players are coming in and potentially Jack Clark could go out? Well, it's not just Jack Clark that could go out, to be honest, mate. There's, there's, uh, there's rumours that Dan Neal is being linked with the move. Uh, that's Dan Neil, not Daniil, obviously. Yeah, not <laughs> Daniil. Two, two different things. But oh, getting what the fuck? One very good at what the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Morning, Daniil, if you're listening, mate. Um, yeah, so Dan Neil has been also linked with the move. Um, there's that interesting story as well that, that came from James Copley about um, about Anthony Patterson uh, also being a target for Liverpool as well as potential cover for Allison. I mean that one. The saying that's that's kind of more for the summer, um, so that could happen as well. Obviously, you know we've we've managed to shift on goalkeepers to scouse parts uh, in the past, so it is slightly worrying. But that's um, that unfortunately is the model of the club. That's what the owners wanted. Um, they wanted to develop young talent, 
um, and then sell it on at a profit. The thing is with, with Jack Clark, and I saw a report about this, um, I think it actually came from Spurs. It was it was in the like some London press. A report saying that we paid something like £750,000 for Jack Clark, um, and there's a 25% sell-on clause. Um, other people are saying we got him for now, and it's a 50% sell-on clause. So whatever deal is done has to be worth it from, from a Sunderland perspective. Um, the thing is, replacing someone like Jack Clark, because right now we we are massively, massively reliant on him. If he did um, go, if he did go this week, and I'm not saying he is, I'm just a hypothetical one here. Yeah, if he yeah, did yeah. go, how would you cover it? We couldn't. We couldn't. There's nobody there who could jump in straight away. As a left winger, you've got uh, Jewison and Bennett, but uh, somebody who his last Jewison and Bennett's last uh, performance for us was was three absolutely sublime turns put in a beautiful pinpoint cross for Chrissy Rigg to get the fifth against Southampton, and we haven't seen him since. And and this this stretches back to Mogger's obviously reign as well, um, and we're just wondering, well, what's the kid done wrong? Because Sunderland fans like him. Mm. We, we've seen enough of him to go, this kid just needs a run in the team. Um, and it, there just seems to be some sort of reluctance to play him, which I just find very odd. I don't know. <laughs> look, the state our finances in or, or lack of money to spend, it might be an appearance thing where if he, he makes one more appearance, we, we might actually have to shock horror, pay some money out for him. Um, but that's that's it's a baffling one, that, to be honest with you. So yeah, would be would be pretty stuffed. Um, you know, we've got Paddy Roberts out at the minute. Barr is having to play out on the right. He had a very good game against Ipswich, probably his best game for us. But he's not a right winger. He's you know he should be playing a number ten role. So yeah, if if Clark does go, uh, and if they're talking around about, it would be interesting to see if there is a firm twenty million pound offer. This is the the sum that's being bandied around. If that twenty million comes in, how they spend it and what they do with it. Whether it just disappears, um, you know, in, into paying the owners uh, for the, for the fifteen million that they put in during COVID, because um, apparently there's there's the bill there to cover. Uh, they want their money back out of that, which that would be very interesting. Or do, you know, do they put that towards wages to bring Ahmad back? But I I don't think Ahmad will be as keen to come back. One, because Michael Bale's there; he's already worked under him, so he knows where he's in for. Uh, and the fact that Tony Mowbray isn't there and, and Tony Mowbray was a, a big reason on why he went there and why he loved his time there so yeah we'd be pretty stuffed is is, is the honest interpretation of, of that transfer rumour just had a thought it's, it's not what, at all. what would hurt more Ahmad's going to Borough which he won't but Ahmad going to Borough or Ahmad going to Birmingham mm. uh, it wouldn't either way to be honest right. it, it's he's, he's not our player it, 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 I'm, a, I'm a big believer that you shouldn't fall in love with lone players <laughs> and and it's easy to do that because Ahmad was absolutely phenomenal for us um, but you forget he got 14 goals for us Jack Clark's already on 13 this season yeah. he's you know I, I think Jack Clark is a better player than Ahmad I'll be I'll be really honest with you um, but yeah if, if you look if he goes to Bar of course of course we're gonna have a, a whinge about it and we will all know what happens when when we play against you in February Ahmad's gonna score against us if you do manage to sign him I, I wouldn't be at all massively surprised I just still think 
his his next move has got to be a Premier League loan. I think personally, I think somewhere like Palace or Fulham would, would suit him really well. I think we've I think we've sorted our midfield out though. I don't think we need um, even you know we've just brought Finazaz in uh, on a on a yeah. permanent deal and and he's an attacking midfielder. We've got you know we've got Hayden Hackney who sits in there. We've got Barlasser. We've got we've got Housen. We've got the the names are just tripping off the tongue for midfield. That's not where our weakness is, and I think our focus will not be Ahmad Diallo. What? He'll sign in the next hour, but I don't think our focus will be. <laughs> no, no, I, th- I think he's destined elsewhere. Mm. Tell us about Borough. Then we haven't got Rye this morning. Uh, yeah. he's still uh, busy moving house. But uh, how, yeah. did, how did Borough fare at the weekend? Dave? Uh, terrible with their planning uh, because it was just a two-mile drive from the hotel uh, to the to the den, uh, the new den, uh, and they messed that one up. It took uh, an hour and a half, so they turned up. Uh, what did they turn up? I think it was. Uh, 40 minutes before kickoff, they managed to get the coach to the stadium, so the game had to be delayed. I'm sure there'll be some uh, punishment coming from EFL on that one. Um, I think it was the Rotherhithe tunnel was uh, was uh, was shut, so the traffic was all log jammed around London. But when isn't it? Um, but look, the lads started off a little bit sluggishly, uh, and I think that was to do with the preparation. Uh, it does smack of uh, Borough Norwich in the the playoff final at Wembley. Uh, quite a while ago now, you know, when they turned up late for that one, and um, uh, was it Ida Karanka then uh, had to get the players to get changed on the bus. So they, uh, yeah, it was a sluggish start, but and Millwall went one 0 up, and they were dominant. They really were dominant for the first half hour, and I'm thinking, wow, this this could be you know damaging. But then a, a switch just seemed to seemed to be flicked. The Borough came into the game. Um, I think they got worried because we caught them a couple of times on quick counters and suddenly they couldn't push as, as forward as as freely as they wanted. And then second half, uh, the Borough were impressive. I've got to say that even as a Borough fan, um, I'm trying to be uh, I'm trying to, to not be biased here and be level headed. But yeah, yeah, that that's yeah, lies. <laughs> Nose is growing very long like Pinocchio. <laughs> um, but look, the um, that second half left me with with with. With real hope for the rest of the season, I'm thinking we've come through a punishing schedule. We've, you know, 14 first, not even first team players, almost first choice players for the first team out injured. Yeah. We've been dealing with that. You know, there's a couple of way yeah out of that 14 now on international duty, um, but we've been dealing with that now for a couple of months. We've had two cracking games recently against Premier League opposition where where nothing was nothing was left in the legs at the end of it you know the players give their absolute absolute all to run Villa close and to beat Chelsea and then you come out of that and you think there can't be anything left in the tank they really can't be you know and you get a couple of players back and you lose them in the game the Chelsea game so there's two you know the two that have just returned back out again but I've got to say the two signings look good uh, Azaz in midfield and and Ailing uh, at fullback they 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 look pretty assured and and I think that just gave a bit of a bit of confidence you know Ailing's got a lot of experience around him so you've got yeah. the likes of Johnny Housen in there Ailing in there helping the young lads and and I think as much as Borough like Sunderland are looking for young talent they're looking to develop and grow and they're looking for players that they can improve bringing Ailing, Ailing in was a masterstroke because that experience that he brings, you know, he's been there, he's done it, he's pulled the boots on in the Premier League. Um, you don't spend seven and a half years at Leeds without being a decent player uh, on and off the field, which which caught me by surprise when he when he made the switch. So many 
you know, the Leeds players putting messages on social media saying we're going to really miss you and all that sort of stuff. I suppose that is a measure of what, what how well respected the guy is in the dressing room. So, yeah, masterstroke. We've got him at the end of the season. He certainly played his part at the Den. Um, and and just that, that self-belief was there again. Um, that amount of energy that was needed to, to do what the Borough did against Millwall was there again. I'm just wondering if it's a, limit, a, a limitless resource at the Riverside because the players are playing all these games and, and yet they're still putting it in when it matters. So it's it's given me some more belief. I, you know, I was like, yeah, you know, four, top four spots have gone. West Brom are flying as well. You've got Coventry flying. There's a there's a an awful lot of teams above the borough where we sit. Where do we sit at the moment? Are we in tenth spot still? But we still find ourselves a point away from the playoffs, from yeah, sixth yeah. spot. And we've come through a horrendous injury. We've come through a massive glut of games. You know the, the lads will be delighted. They've got a week off. You know I, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Carrick just just doesn't get the guys in and say go for a walk, fellas. Just ease the legs off and have a rest because they need it so yeah it's given me a lot of confidence a lot of belief uh, we def- desperately need a striker because we, we played that game at Millwall without one yet still scored three I think that's called doing a Sunland under Mogger um, <laughs> and um, and I'm a lot brighter this morning than I, than I was on Friday morning I've got to be honest mm. okay I mean look Borough fans uh, will be cock a hoop at the moment but I, I keep saying I keep saying it's still not, it's still not over and, and I know I know Ted's on a bit of a downer this morning, but you know football football throws in some curveballs. I do want right. to say though, I do want I do want to say I do want to say though, like um, you know, David predicted that Rooney would go before Christmas. He was slightly out, but he wasn't far. A out. week, a week, yes. Yeah. Ted, in the WhatsApp group that we do mention, you have said Beal will be gone by March. Yeah. Wow. Dave, yeah, you think that's you think that's going to be the case? Wow, I mean, if he goes in March, then what about Speakman? He's going to go as well. And is that too? And I'm thinking, I'm just thinking, is that Brian Clough line, mate? Yeah, yeah. If if the manager gets sacked, then you should sack the guy who hired him. Yeah. Um, This is fourth. I just think that could be that could be too big a move. What's he called? KLD. I think that could be too big a a too big a call to make. I think that would that would massively desta- uh, destabilize his plans. Um, you might be right, well, mate. Plans, you might be right. You know something far better than I do. You know something far better than I do. My just my 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 prediction on Rooney was based on on seeing him operate as as a I can't even say operate as a manager because he he wasn't one. I mean, in my view, he wasn't. Well, That's why parallel. I was so certain, absolutely certain that he would be gone. Yeah. Um, I don't. No, I don't. Right. I don't know enough about. I don't know enough about Sunderland, Dreyfus, Speakman, and Beale, and 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 that conundrum that you're facing at the moment. Uh, I just think March is a big shout, considering we're already halfway through January. But if you're that certain, mate, it tells you it does give you a massive yardstick about the trouble that you're in at the moment. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think certainly by end of March, you saw what happened at Reading over the weekend. Um, did you did you see what happened at Reading over the weekend? Yes, yes, it was bad, mate. It was refereeing. Big, big fan protest. It was, was it? Uh, it, yeah, it was Ross Joyce. Tennis Mid- balls, was Middlesbrough lads. Middlesbrough lads. It was tennis balls at first, and then over a thousand fans yeah. on the pitch refusing to get off. Yeah, um, and the ownership need to be very careful because what's happening now is the the dragging the club down. This insistence to go with a certain way is dragging the club down, mate. And 
Bale, Bale has done a Rooney. He's started criticising players six six games into his tenure. But he's asking them to play out of position. He's asking them to, to play in a way that's alien. And I've never known over the over the last couple of years Sunderland to hit so many misplaced passes in in one game. And that was that was a big telling point. There seemed to be unrest. Alex Pritchard was was absolutely raging about Aushish giving the uh, giving the free kick away when he was subbed off. He was really really not happy to come off the pitch. Pritchard. Um, there's. There's unrest among the fans, but it now looks wow. like that's starting to materialise on the pitch as well. I'm just thinking as and well, I'd forgotten about that game on the 4th of Feb. I hadn't. I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be doing a live watch-along. I mean, yeah, Burra, I'm supposed to be refereeing. Burra, <laughs> you are. Burra's got, Burra's got Rotherham next. Now, if we don't take... I, I, I know they did us at their place, it was a fluke. Um, I can't see anything but three points for the borough. That means we could be we could be above you next week. Well, who've you got? Who've you got the weekend? Uh, we were playing Friday night, actually. Uh, but, 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 oh, come on, come on, come on, Ted. Hull City. You've, you've got Hull City at home. Oh, yeah, Hull at home. So yeah. yeah, they're one of the one of the contenders around you, but they're not having a great run at the moment. So we might not be. But if you then if you then go into that uh, tease, we a derby and don't perform. And come out of the back of that below the borough, yeah. I can, I can, I can see quite a few rumblings on Wearside massively. Yeah. I mean, there's an opportunity there to put things right and actually yeah. move things in the right yeah, direction against Hull. We've got Stoke who are, Stoke are improved. Don't get me wrong; they are much improved, but you'd still expect to get a win at home. We've got the Derbyshire after that, and then we've got games against Plymouth, Huddersfield, Birmingham, and then Swansea at home. And you've kind of got to think. Right, you've got to be looking to take at least sort of twelve points out of that. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to be. It's a great run for February, um, aside from the Derbyshire, which I'm now concerned about. I, I, I have major doubts about us being able to pull a result out of that. Going to be interesting. Coming up towards uh, half past eight, uh, time for some more uh, sport headlines. We'll have a little look at uh, the topic that Dave mentioned, uh, Everton and Nottingham Forest and potentially Wolves could have breached FFP rules and could face points deductions and, more after the uh, sports And, and we have a WhatsApp in from Jack in Leicester. Morning, oh, Jack, he God. says. <laughs> Morning, lads. Hope you all had a great weekend with a big thumb up. We did, mate. We did. Uh, is Ted going to let anybody out? Is that where Rye is? <laughs> <laughs> he loves the new game, doesn't he, Jack? <laughs> he'll do that. He'll probably do that tomorrow, Jack. Is it your turn tomorrow? Oh my God, it's my. T- I think it is my turn. Tomorrow. Okay. Well, it probably will be because Ryan will be here, will he? He just doesn't bother turning up these days. Right, he's, 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 he's shifting boxes down the street or something. Together across the northeast. The and the red. Has he finished? Has he finished? He has. He, he has, so. has he? No. On the um, on the on the on the talk back system that we don't talk about. All we get here is sell a tip. <laughs> Are you back, is Steve? He's still there. Is he back? He's gone. He Steve, has. He's Steve's oh. gone. Oh. oh, this well, is dangerous. You. Yeah, this is very dangerous. <laughs> he was playing with sellotape, and now he's gone. That's it. As he sellotaped, he wrapped the mic up. <laughs> he's knocked a button, hasn't he? That's what he's done. <laughs> he he sellotaped over a button, and now he can't get it back off. <laughs> 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 he's 
And it's his so that, show. That leaves, that leaves me and you, which is uncharted territory, really. Oh, dear. Smoggy and a Mac. Well, while we wait for him, then. Yeah. While we wait for him, then. Something that we uh, we mentioned in that WhatsApp group that nobody talks about. Jordan Pickford. Yes. Jordan Pickford's kept seven clean sheets in the Premier League this season so far. He's the leading clean sheet stopper, if you like. Do you reckon it's about time he went to a bigger club than Everton? Do you reckon there's any chance of that? Obviously, they, they're in a bit of financial pickle anyway. It yeah. might be an ideal time. Oh, there he is. <laughs> he's back. He's back. <laughs> we can hear you. you. Know what, I don't know what happened there, to be honest, because uh, the volume still was on and everything was still working, and I was actually pulling the sellotape backwards and forwards. I thought you were just taking the mic when you said he couldn't hear No, 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 no you, you went, you went off. Us. You went off, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and then you came, you came back in all your glory with sticky tape galore. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Any, <laughs> anyway, just, we're, we're going to. I just need to answer Ted's question. The answer is yes. Oh, there you go. I've answered it. <laughs> yes. Pickford, time to move yes. on. Well, Everton are oh, going to get battered yeah. again. Aren't they? They're going to get another ten-point deduction um, any time now, uh, along with Forest. Going to have to sell. There's questions about Spurs and Arsenal and uh, Man City still rumbling on. So financial fair play is doing its bit, but um, yeah, Everton might have to sell, and he, he, he would be a prized asset to bring in a decent amount of money, wouldn't he? Yeah, would help Sunderland out as well because I think there is a, a sell-on clause there. Mm. Sorry, Steve. This, this is ludicrous, though. That Manchester City, who are still arguing their case, um, yeah, it, what, you know, why is everybody else getting hold over the calls before Man City? I, you know, I just don't understand how that can be the case. Why? Why now are Everton again in the headlines for potentially breaching financial fair play and could get another? points deduction when we know Man City have got something hanging over them and you know yet seem to be able to push it back none of this none of this really makes sense lads does it because I, I think it comes down to the the legal teams to be honest Steve I mean if, you know you, you look at Everton they probably turn their lawyers have probably turned up in a Matalan suit whereas like Man City's have turned up in a Ferrari and having them handmade it's that kind of level isn't it yeah, but I think it might have something to do with 115 counts that have to be worked through. <laughs> there is Ever- that as well. <laughs> Everton, Everton was a single a single count, wasn't it, of your 20 million over, fellas. There's your punishment. Um, arguing 115 counts might take a little bit longer. Sounds like Notts Forest's get-out clause here is they're going to try um, and say that they sold Brennan Johnson to Tottenham for £47.5 million to balance mm. the books, but I guess it all depends on the timing of it. Well, they were offered they were offered £30 million from Brentford and they didn't sell. And had they have taken that at the time, that, that cash would have dropped into the period which they're now being investigated over. So what they're saying is, look, they were trying to balance the books. They were trying to... Um, do right by financial fair play by holding out for a better offer because they thought he was high, he was valued higher, and then eventually when they got to sell him, it was in the next financial year. So that, that's their argument. Whether that holds water is another matter. W- wouldn't a, wouldn't a stronger argument be? Um, wouldn't a stronger wouldn't a stronger argument be that um, you know sell him in the year that you need the money in to avoid financial fair play and and, and not try and look to put the deal off to get more money in a, in a following year. Possibly. Um, You see, the problem is that it's it's so confusing uh, for everybody. I I mean, it's confusing for fans to understand it. I I get the deadlines that were set. I think it was the thirty first of December was the deadline for them to submit. Well, for the for Premier League clubs to submit their accounts. Um, So, it's. I think the other farcical thing about this whole thing is that if there's an appeal, which I think the teams have a right. 
two appeal. Um, I don't think the charges, if there's any to be brought, are going to come about until the end of the season, um, which is the, I think it's around about the 22nd and 23rd of May. I remember reading that yesterday, I think. And that's, what, three or four days after the Premier League season is, is finished? So that means yeah. that we could have a crazy situation where the the three relegated clubs are announced at the end of the season. And then after the season ends, um, we find out whether the appeal's been successful and it, it all changes. And the team that maybe finished fourth bottom could end up in the championship because of a 10-point deduction. It's it's ludicrous. It really is. It, 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 something has to be done about this for me. It, it, it's becoming it's becoming farcical. Um, I think I think eventually I think I think FFP will just go the journey because nobody understands it. It seems to be drastically unfair to some teams and not others. It seems to be protecting certain clubs and not others. And it just it, it just seems to be just it, it just seems to be ruining football for me. Well, with so many clubs involved now, I mean there are question marks over. We've we've just mentioned them, haven't we? Forest, Everton again, Man City, Arsenal and Spurs have come into the equation. Um, there's, there's five teams of which three of them are, are top-level teams. Um, is the threshold for financial fair play a reasonable threshold to operate in today's Premier League when you're seeing salaries go sky high, you're seeing transfer fees go ballistic? I mean, can you can you effectively operate the top flight, the top club competition in the world within the current restraints I'm not sure you can does it does it need a dose of looking at it, Steve or does it need scrapping completely because at the moment you're handcuffed by it yeah I'd, I mean obviously from a Newcastle perspective I want it scrapped immediately we're, you know we're, we're completely hampered it's um, you know it's impossible for Newcastle to go out and spend any money at all at this moment in time I think the stories over the weekend about you know, mischievous storylines, I will call them, by certain newspaper outlets saying that Newcastle have to sell Alexander Izak or have to sell Bruno Gomares. Um, you know, I, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Darren Eels didn't say anything of the sort. He came out and said that Newcastle, uh, Newcastle are like, you know, every team, um, you know, that, that they will have to sell uh, to buy uh, moving forward. And that's part of financial fair play. You know, it's part of balancing your books. You bring commercial revenue in. You buy players, but you will have to sell players. He didn't say star players. He said players. So, you know, to, to, to put a headline out there to suggest that Newcastle are looking to sell Alexander Isak or Bruno Gomares at the minute is, 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 is absolute rubbish. But yeah, I just I just think it'll end. I just think it'll end. I think, I, I think Chelsea's um, spending spree has been deliberate. And they're under they investigation as well, aren't they? Yeah. yeah, I think they've deliberately yeah. spent money. I think they've deliberately spent money like it's going out of fashion, almost to blow this whole FFP thing up. Um, it it just feels like that, you know. Somebody's got to. Somebody's got to be the. the somebody's got to be the the team that falls on the sword, if you like. And and we've seen what we've seen what a minor breach gets. A ten point yeah. deduction for Everton for a minor breach, and it was a minor breach. So you know, imagine what imagine what these other teams could face. Well, that's know? it now. That that line's been drawn in the sand. That ten point deduction. You know, everybody was expecting prior to, prior to that. You know, financial uh, implications, or you know, maybe it would be a, a three or four point deduction. But for them to come out and go one breach, ten points. That's a that's a massive line that's now been drawn in the sand. Yeah. And the problem you've got is it set a precedent, not just for other clubs, but it set a precedent for the Premier League. 
because if they now change the rules because everybody's whinging about it and complaining it's not working for, for, for Premier League football, Everton could sue the backside off them if that you know if 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 they're really impacted by that. They'd have every right as well. What I'm trying to get my head around at this moment in time though is, is who is the rule actually helping? Is it actually protecting anyone at all? It's to stop because, it's to stop Premier League club owners, and I'll say Premier League because that's the 105 million. Yeah. Um, it's it's just, uh, and for anybody who's just tuned in and don't quite know what it is, you're not allowed to lose more than 105 million quid across a three-year rolling period. So, yeah. you know, when you get into year four, year one drops off the other end. So that 105 limit keeps moving along with with the timeline. Um, yeah. So so that's what effectively financial fair play is. Um, and it's to stop club owners coming in and going, right, I'm going to drop a billion pounds into just signing the world's best players and I'm going to lose a shed load of money, but I don't care because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a gazillionaire and my club's going to rule the world. I mean, that's, that's effectively what it was put in to do. It was to make yeah. football sustainable, uh, football clubs sustainable, operating on a, a, a steady financial keel so you just don't get these, these bizarre financial anom- uh, anomalies coming in and uh, and causing problems because if that owner, you know, if that if that owner turns around and um, falls out of love with the club because he spent a load of money and he didn't see silverware and wanted to walk away and just offload the club, then nobody could afford to pick it up and the club would be ruined financially. Yeah. So effectively, that's what it was for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well we'll move on. Uh, just want to touch on Sven Gordon Eriksson. We broke the news on Friday that um, after a five k run, he'd. Uh, he, he, he collapsed. He went to the doctors, and he was diagnosed with terminal cancer, which uh, which was a shock to everybody in football. Man City fans were singing his name at St James's Park at the weekend. Uh, just caught the uh, the little article um, uh, which was written in the Daily Mirror at the weekend after he'd uh, done a, an interview on television uh, to say that um, one of his biggest ambitions had always been to manage Liverpool. Um, he'd always been a Liverpool wow. supporter and that he'd always want to manage Liverpool and uh, I saw a, a podcaster a YouTube podcaster come out and um, say that uh, you know the club should allow Sven Gordon Eriksson to uh, achieve his lifelong dream um, now any Liverpool fans who've inadvertently tuned in this morning don't worry they're not saying that he should replace Jurgen Klopp um, but what they are suggesting is that he takes charge of uh, a Liverpool charity legends match against Ajax in March. I think that's a great idea, lads. That'd be great. That'd be fantastic. Mm. I'm very fitting as well, lads. Yeah, I think somebody like Klopp as well. I mean, you, you see Klopp doing his little bit in the uh, the community stuff that Liverpool do. I think he'd be right behind something like that. It's uh, that'd be a very very sweet moment, without a doubt. Mm. Talking of Ajax, uh, it looks like Henderson's moves off. Ted, um, I yeah, don't think there'll be no any surprise uh, there. Eh? I, I don't think there'll be any tears shed on Weir's side about that. I mean, it's becoming it's becoming quite embarrassing. This isn't it really for Jordan Henderson, who uh, you know he's had a great career. Let's not take it away from him. You know, he he you know he he, he cut his cloth and, and and became you know became the player that he did at Sunderland. Went on to Liverpool. He's won everything in the game. He's done well for England. Uh, but then you know he's. There's no doubt about it. He's, 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 his career is coming to an end on a sour note, and, and looks like he might have to stay in Saudi. Yeah, it looks like it. Um, I mean, we, we touched on the subject last week, where in order for him to earn tax-free earnings over there, I think he has to be there for two years minimum. 
Uh, obviously, he's wanting to jack it in straight away, uh, which obviously is going to be a cost to him or perhaps even the club that he moves to. Um, but yeah, the, the, by the looks of it, there doesn't seem to be an, an awful lot of appetite from, uh, from top flight clubs to get involved with this. Uh, obviously, you know, we've mentioned his age. He's, he's now in the twilight of his career. Um, so any sort of move, presumably, would maybe have half an eye on a coaching role. But also, nobody's going to spend the wages, or anywhere near the wages that he's been on in Saudi. So he's got to take a hit on it. Um, you know, there's was, there was Sunderland fans even saying, well, you know, if he wants to, to prove that it's not all about the money, then come back to Sunderland. But again, there's a lot of other Sunderland fans actually saying, well, actually, no, because of the because of the switch up in his uh, in his moral attitude towards Saudi, um, we don't want him, which is which is quite bizarre from Sunderland fans because he's, he's he is a hero to, to to many there. He's a good lad. He, you know, he's, he's he's supported the club through thick and thin, and and remains a fan to this day. But because of this sort of a uh, perceived change in attitude from him um, towards going to Saudi there's been a little bit of respect lost for him I think it's fair to say from, from some areas of the fan base so mm. yeah it's the, the next move is, is just going to be a strange one or he might just call it a day and, and start and do his badges to be honest I, th- I think that's probably probably going to be it um, there's only the likes of Chelsea who'll, uh, who'll you know push those boundaries with the rules and probably spend that sort of money but Will he go to somewhere like Chelsea? Do they need him? I don't know. Mm. I just, I, I don't honestly know where his next move is going to be. I think the words "bed" and "lie" in it um, spring to mind with this one, <laughs> yes. don't they? He <clears throat> just took the words yes. right out of his mouth. And he's made, he's made uh, Stephen Gerrard. Uh, he's under pressure as well. They're on a, they're on a. How can you have a mid-season break, by the way, in uh, in Saudi? They've, they've, they're off to um, Abu Dhabi to to do a, a mid-season break and a a training camp. But um, Gerard's going into that break. Was it eight we'll games without a win? All hot weather. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, eight games without a win. So he's yeah. massively under pressure. So he he could well be on his own at the moment. You know, his, his mate Gerard could have could could be a, could be could be canned very soon after. I'm a bit disappointed that they're not coming to like the Wirral or or Blackpool or something like that for <laughs> yeah. the mid the midwinter break. To Cold weather training. Else. Cold yeah. weather training works well. Highlands of Scotland with the SAS. Don't get in the ice bath. Just come to the UK for some training. There We're going go. to somewhere called Seaton Carew. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually uh, did pre-season training <laughs> with my pub team there. It was absolutely oh, brutal. Running up and down the sand dunes, we were puking everywhere. Oh, my God, it was brutal. Yeah, but I'm, you did, ten pints of logo you did have a gallon beforehand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I will have had a lemon top or something like that after it, though. You know. <laughs> yeah. Young's fish uh, and chips, very nice, telling you. We've, 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 gone, we've gone one hour and 48 minutes into the show, and we haven't mentioned the African Cup of Nations, which is kicked off. Thankfully, um, I know nothing it, about it. Yeah, I mean, well, may that, that continue next? Is that, is, that, <laughs> is, that, is that because you've got new interest, lads? I mean... Uh, you know, Chris Hutton's mighty Ghana got beaten by Cape Verde 2-1 yesterday. Really? Uh, yes. I think the biggest shock wow. there is that Chris Hutton's actually managing the national team. I didn't even yeah. know that. Uh, Nigeria and Equatorial Guinea uh, played out an entertaining 1-1 draw. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Mo Salah's Egypt and Mozambique uh, played out a 2-2 draw as well. Wow, that Cape so, Verde result is massive. They'll be having a public holiday a- there. 
Yes, yeah, exactly. Big shock that, but uh, big shock for, uh, for 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 Chris Hutton. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I I won't be watching it, lads. I've got to be perfectly honest. But I I almost feel like I almost feel like because we do this show now, we should at least pay some kind of attention to it and say what is going on. It's a good um, tournament. I mean, it robbed us. It did rob us of our keeper, but he was injured anyway, so they've sent him back. But look, I, I was there in was it two thousand seven, two thousand eight. I think it was two thousand and eight when it was in Ghana. And uh, yeah. it was a great competition. Uh, Iraq, Iran played uh, against each other, and that was uh, quite explosive, <laughs> shall we say, as you'd expect at that time of year, uh, that time, oh, that, that, words, that okay. time of the history. Um, but no, I mean Egypt were magnificent. They won it that year. And um, uh, what was the what was the, the, the was it a Zico they had at the time? I can't remember. Yeah, the, yeah. the Egyptian Zico was playing. He was magnificent. So it is a really good tournament. And when you get to the latter stages, and you you have your big guns, which were at the time Ghana, who've just been beaten by Cape Verde, uh, and you have Egypt, and you have Nigeria, and all those you know coming coming up against each other. It's uh, and Senegal. Senegal were a, were a yeah. bit of a powerhouse at the time. Um, it is it is a really decent tournament, but uh, I've got to be honest, it slipped me by this time. And the Asia Cup was kicked off as well. Uh, United Arab Emirates took on Hong Kong. Uh, they beat them 3-1. Japan beat Vietnam 4-2. I never thought I'd see those two play each other. Bizarre. Uh, Australia, of course, uh, which uh, I'm sure Rai will have been delighted about, beat India 2-0. And Qatar beat Lebanon 3-0. The only other game that was played was Iran versus Palestine. Um, sounds like a, 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 a Iran game, is strong. That. Iran is strong. 4-1. 4-1 result there. Well, all, the, both sets of fans that have been supporting each other. Um, that's without yeah, a shadow true. of a doubt. Um, Iran, are a, Iran are a strange team. I mean, they've always been a powerhouse, particularly in West Asia. Japan have always been a powerhouse in, in, in East Asia, but Japan are rebuilding, so you know, to see them only 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 win what did they win? Four two. Four two So it? yeah, they scored four goals, but it's Vietnam you you are taking on who are about hundred and thirty eighth in the FIFA World Rankings. Um so it's gonna be an interesting one in across Asia as well. It's it's a part of the world that obviously I spent a lot of time at. Uh spent eight years out in Singapore, uh covering football, working in football. Um so yeah, I do keep a I do keep a closer eye on that one than the African Nations uh, Cup, I've got to be honest. Given, mm. given this, this always amazes me, right? You, you look at the size of a country like China. Yep. Charming China is like Vast. Yeah. I mean, vast, yep. huge, yep. massively yep. populated. I think the second most populated country in the world behind India. Correct. You, you kind of go look at this, and, and China have like you know they've appeared now and again in World Cups and things like that, and made the, the obligatory appearance in in the Olympics if football's been involved there. But then you got to think, why are why? they? Because why are, they, why are they not bigger? Why are they not bigger? Because their football organisation is a shambles. You know, it's only oh. it's only a couple of a couple of weeks ago when the national team coach was paraded on national TV to hang his head in shame to say he'd paid bribes to get the job. I mean, that is typical the of China Blatt, football. That's right. It is. Yes. Yeah, Li Tier was it called? It was, is it Li yeah, Tier? Li Tai. Yeah. Um, so that was. Um, uh, so that's typical of it. They've had their match-fixing problems. The CSL, the Super League, was suspended to try and root out corruption. Um, that is China, China football. By rights, they should be dominant because of the population. Percent, even if you work on a lesser percentage than other countries to choose from for turning out decent talent, they, they should have it 
falling falling out of every football squad in their professional league. But it's uh, the organisation's just just been a shambles. There is another thing as well. The uh, and this affects places like Singapore. You know the. The Chinese... Uh, morning. Morning, mate. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Good morning, How are you? morning, morning. Daz. How um, good morning, sir. Chinese on, culture on, is based on success. And you've heard yes. of Tiger Mums. You know, and it's not perceived in certain parts of Asia. Being a footballer is a real job. So you are encouraged to get uh, get to university, get the highest grades possible, become a doctor, a solicitor, a lawyer, uh, yeah. whatever it is. Get a real... Get a proper job, because football isn't a proper job. And that is perceived across... East Asia right. and Southeast Asia like that. So, you know, that that does impact as well because a lot of your talent will, will not ever play football. That that could potentially be great footballers. Mm. Daz, how are you? Oh yeah, Bouncing, are you? Yeah, I'm good. I've, I've just been for a run on Seaton Carew Beach uh, and um, I'm... Uh, <laughs> and saw the vomit from the, the Billingham... Did you have What the Fact music playing in your Yeah, I did, exactly. Da, 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 da. Is it coming back, by the way? That's what I want to know. It is, is it? yeah, but oh. it's definitely coming it's back. Not, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hang on. <laughs> yeah, 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 Let's yeah, all yeah, make yeah. a decision on behalf of Ted. Justy, Justy's up on the brakes there, Tiger. <laughs> the other <laughs> one's rubbish. The other one's rubbish. <laughs> Do you not like that? Napped garbage. <laughs> See, yeah. I'll, I'll tell us what you really think, yeah. though, Steve. I'll I'll say, like I said, the other one, this is the I'll equivalent. Feedback from listeners. For, yeah, the, the, for those listeners who didn't hear it last week, this is, um, this is a little bit of a parody of Ted's new competition, which I can't remember the name of. It's like this, right? Who is this famous Premier League manager? It's you! There you go. That's the only clue you get. <laughs> that isn't the only... Right, that's a massive exaggeration there, by the way. Huge. That was spot on, that, Dave. Yeah, I thought that was spot on, yeah. So to, the, to the listeners, or listener who wasn't listening <laughs> last week, right, it's a it's a high-performance environment of a, a, a game story. It's, it's I'm a smelling fantastic... Something. I'm smelling something. A fantastic bit of audio. A, a theme tune that's had... Thousands spent on it. I had I had Drake and Jay Z sitting on the spare yeah, bed. Thousands, thousands uh, tell, Indonesian tell doings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but basically, it's the most convoluted, complex way I could have ever done of what's that noise? Essentially, no, I think yes. the only yes. way the, the only way this can get worse is if one of your mystery guests one week is Norman Collier, and we will get the blank <laughs> part of his the blank part of his faulty microphone gag. When when was he a Premier League manager? Like, <laughs> <laughs> was it, I think he was assistant to Steve Bruce, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. Yeah. He was the one who made the bacon. He cooked the bacon. Yeah, exactly. Bacon. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Uh, that's yeah, very that's good. good. Very yeah, good. Excellent. I've not changed anything with me, Mike, Dave. <laughs> no, that was like me. I was looking. I was looking. I haven't changed me, Mike. And you have seen mothers. So I haven't been mentioned this morning. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I just disappeared instead while I was rapping something. Yeah, he did. A, he, he did an O'Sullivan, oh, didn't he? Win, the, win the Masters and then walk away. That was it. Steve just walked away. Speak. Oh, there he goes. Think, there he I goes. Think, I think I need to put. I need to put a theme tune together that contains me rapping. That's it. So he did there. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think it's time. It's it's time for us to rap, fellas. Yeah, well, we'll see what you've done there. Yeah, very yeah, good. yeah, yeah. Wee! We're all full of it. We're all on. We're all on fire here. Um, yeah. Good morning across the northeast. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning. Daz is up next. What have you got, Daz? I've got all the usual nonsense. Uh, we're going to have a look at the Wee! newspaper front pages. Uh, we'll have a look at the showbiz. We'll have a look at what's on telly tonight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't stop this. Look at this mic. 
I know. Yeah. What have you done? <laughs> um, uh, we've got a chat degree this morning, and we have got the quiz that is sweeping the nation. I'll I'll show you how to do it, Ted. It's name that theme this morning, oh. ten past ten, uh, right here across the northeast. See you, boys. From Yarm to Yibby, Harrington to Horsley Hill, Swarwell to Silverlink, the Northeast Footy Breakfast with Roy, Steve, and Ted. Right across the Northeast, the red, the tune, and the cat.